Good morning. Oh, that's very friendly. Thank you. Please could you turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. It's a great honour for me to be here at Portswood, um, partly because I've known Portswood Church for many years, but I first met John and Mary Ayrton 30 years ago. Well, more than 30. In 1980, I met John and Mary when they were about 40 and I was about 10. (laughs) That bit wasn't quite true. Hopefully the rest of what I say is going to be true. But it's just great to hear John's good news, isn't it? Um, Let's be looking at God's word together. You're looking at uh, Peter, and you're looking at Peter's story, and you're thinking about this whole thing about learning to follow Jesus. And today we come, as we've already heard, to this really key thing that many people know about Peter, even if they don't call themselves Christians, there are many people who would say, yes, Peter denied Jesus three times. This is the low point of Peter's career. And so this sermon is called, I don't know him, facing failure. And that's very relevant to us because all of us have had to face failure. If you're a Christian, if you've turned from your sin and put your trust in Jesus, there have been times when you know that you have let Jesus down. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about us. There are times when you've blown it. There are times when you had the opportunity to tell someone something about Jesus and you didn't do it. Or maybe there was moral failure. Maybe there's a particular sin you're thinking of now. You know you did that and you know you let Jesus down. Or maybe there's a sin that you're battling with at the moment, you're struggling with, and you don't seem to get free of it. We all know what it's like to face failure. What we're going to do this morning is look at chapter 14 and see some of the steps that Peter went through that led him into this failure. So we're going to start at verse 27, and we're going to go right the way through to the end of the chapter book. Don't worry, we're not going to be here till tomorrow. This is going to go very quickly, and it's going to be a great help to me if you've got the Bible passage open in front of you. But can I ask you to do me a favour? Please, will you try to do two things at once? I know this is very hard for the men, but try and do two things at once. What I'm asking you to do is, while you listen and read... Also be talking to Jesus. Because he's here. Don't do it out loud. And don't say, Lord, please stop him. (laughs) That was a guilty laugh. Some of you had already started. (laughs) But let's be talking to Jesus. He's here. He wants us to help. He wants to help us to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we've not yet become Christians, he wants to help us to know what that would mean for us to make the decision to follow Jesus. He's here. Are you talking to him now? The first step towards Peter's failure is in verses 27 to 31, where Peter is basically saying, I'd never do it. I'd never do it. Look at verse 27. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, 
I will not. Now, way back in chapter 9, the disciples had been having an argument about who was the best disciple. And Peter still hasn't learned his lesson. Look again at verse 29. Even if all fall away, I won't. The others might. I could believe that the others might let you down, Jesus. But not me. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the cock crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Now, I don't think we should be too hard on Peter, verse 31. I think the main reason he says that, the main reason he says, Jesus, I would die with you rather than deny you, the main reason is that he loves Jesus. This guy is a little bit of a mess, but we all are. But he does love Jesus. And if you're a Christian, you may be very aware of failure in your life, but you do love Jesus. There's somewhere in your heart you love Jesus. Because you're amazed that he thought of you and died for you on the cross. But here's Peter's problem in verse 27 to 31. He's basically saying, I'd never do it. I would never do it. I think he's being overconfident. His problem is self-confidence. He's thinking, I'd never do it. Think about when you heard about some Christian that you know in this church or another church who'd been caught in an adulterous affair. Did you find yourself thinking, oh, I'd never do that? Or you hear about somebody letting Jesus down in some other way and you find yourself thinking, I'd never do it. Very dangerous because that means we're being self confident. We're all weak. We're all sinners. Please finish this sentence for me. Let him who thinks he stands take heed. Self-confidence was Peter's first problem and it was his first step on the way to failure. Let's be careful. And not be trusting in ourselves but trusting in God. That was the first step. The second one is in verses 32 to 42, where Peter is basically saying, I'm really tired. I'm really tired. You know the story, they go to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus prays three times that God would take the cup of suffering away from him. But before he starts praying, he says this, Verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. What Jesus needs more than anything else at this moment is his best friends to stay awake and keep watch. He wants them to be there. And what happens? They fall asleep. So Jesus goes and prays, then verse 37, he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? They're asleep. And do you notice how he addresses Peter? Verse 37, 
Simon. He uses his old name. It's like Jesus is saying, Peter, has nothing changed? Are you still the man you were when I called you when you were in your fishing boat? Jesus prays three times that the cup would be taken away from him and three times the answer is no because there is no other way for us to be saved other than that Jesus would go to the cross. If you're a Christian, you know that's true and you can be talking to Jesus at this moment and thanking him and worshipping him. This room can be full of worship now at this moment. The only way we could be forgiven, the only way we could be reconciled with God was the Son of God going to the cross and bearing our sins and dying in our place. Hallelujah. But what is Peter doing? He's sleeping. So, verse uh, 39. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping? You imagine how Jesus feels when, you, when you're in, your, in a desperate position. You need your best friends with you, don't you? And there's Peter, Jesus' best friend, asleep. And I think his problem is that he's really tired. And it's been a very stressful time. It's been a very exciting time, but it's been a very stressful time. And I want to say that I think one of the things that can cause us to fall into sin is tiredness. Think about when you've failed. I know in my life it's when I'm tired. It's when I haven't been looking after my body. I am a physical being, so are you. And it makes me more prone to sin. Look what Jesus says in verse 38. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The spirit is willing. If you're a Christian, you love Jesus, you want to serve Jesus, you don't want to let Jesus down. But the body is weak. And if I'm not taking enough sleep, or if I'm not watching how I eat, or if I'm not getting enough exercise, then it makes me more prone to sin. Am I the only, you look very shocked, am I the only one in the room that that's true of? No, a few people are shaking their heads, thank you. That's the second step towards failure, was tiredness. And Peter did learn that lesson. Have a look at verse 38 again, the beginning of verse 38. Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. That's what we need to do. If I don't want to fail Jesus then I mustn't be self-confident. I must be watching and praying, alert, awake. Peter learnt the lesson. Peter wrote this in his first letter. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, walks around 
like a roaring lion seeking people to devour. It's true. You know it's true. That's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. The devil is wandering around and we need to be alert. When are you most likely to fail? In what kind of situation are you most likely to let Jesus down? Be alert. Be self-controlled. Pray. So Peter said, I'd never do it. Peter said, I'm really tired. And the third one is in verses 43 to 52. What he says here in the end is, I'm very frightened. Verse 43, just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. I think this is one of the most shocking scenes in the Gospel. Judas is, verse 43, one of the twelve. He is one of the best friends of Jesus. And Judas could have chosen any sign, couldn't he? He could have said... Arrest the man I tap on the shoulder. He could have said, arrest the man I point to. But he said, arrest the man I kiss. I can't begin to imagine Peter's feelings when he sees that Judas is leading this crowd. And then there's the struggle. And then Jesus says in verse 48, Am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. His best friends, running for their lives, Because they're afraid. I'm not condemning Peter. If I point with one finger at Peter, three fingers are pointing at somebody else. We're all weak. But I know that when I'm fearful, when I'm giving in to fear in my life, then I'm very prone to sin and letting Jesus down. If I'm fearful about the future or about my health, or I'm afraid of loneliness, and I do get fearful of those things. But if I'm not giving those things to God and deciding to trust him, then I am prone to failure. So those are the three steps towards failure. Where's your particular danger? Is it self-confidence? Is it tiredness? Is it fear? Let's just look for a few minutes at the failure of Peter. That's from verse 53 through to the end of the chapter. Because it's very important that we see that these two incidents, the Jesus in front of the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin, that starts in verse 53, and the denial of Peter, they're happening at the same time. Please have a look at verse 53. They took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, elders and teachers of the law came together. 
Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. I think verse 54 is there to tell us that the denial of Peter was happening at the same time as Jesus was in front of the high priest. They're happening at the same time. So while Jesus is being interrogated by the high priest, his best friend is in the courtyard outside saying, I don't know him. That makes the failure even more shocking, doesn't it? Verse 67. When the servant girl saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also are with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entrance. I think the first denial was probably quite calm. I don't think Peter realised how much danger he was in. He just said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know him. Verse 69, when the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. Then look at verse 71, please. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. I think Peter's really shouting now. And he doesn't just say, I don't know Jesus. He calls down curses on himself. Do you see that in verse 71? That is very strong language. I think that Peter was saying, God curse me if I'm lying. God curse me if I'm lying. I do not know him. The failure of Peter. And I say again, all of us have failed in one way or another because we're weak. But please, as we finish, think too about the love of Jesus. This is great news. The love of Jesus. Because that curse that Peter called down on himself... That meant that he was guilty before God. He deserved to be cursed by God. But what happened? Just a few hours later, Jesus took that curse onto himself and took the punishment for Peter's denial. Do you hear that? Are you able to thank Jesus for that now? That curse, God curse me if I'm lying. Jesus took it onto himself on the cross. And Jesus took the punishment onto himself on the cross of all our failures, of everything we've done or thought that is wrong. That is the love of Jesus. Now I just want to read you something from chapter 16. I'm cheating here, it's not part of the passage you gave me, um, but I'm going to do it anyway. 
chapter 16. It's after the death of Jesus and it's after the resurrection. The women come to the tomb, you know the story, and they want to anoint Jesus' body and they're thinking, how are we going to move the stone? And they get there and the stone is gone and they meet an angel. What does the angel say in verse 6? Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go. Tell his disciples he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now I've missed out two words, as you see if you're looking at the Bible. They are my two favourite words in the whole of Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel is my favourite book in the Bible, if it's allowed to have favourite books in the Bible. And and Peter are my two favourite words. Because imagine what would have happened if the angel had not said those words. The women would have gone to the disciples, eventually, they didn't go immediately, but the women would have gone to the disciples and they'd have said, Jesus is alive... Go to Galilee and he'll meet you there. And they would all have got up to go to Galilee except for one who'd have been sitting in the corner with his head in his hands saying, he doesn't mean me. He doesn't mean me. He doesn't want me. I denied him three times. I let him down. I failed. And so get this, this is very exciting. When the risen Jesus gives the instruction to the angel to go and tell the women that he's alive, he says to the angel, make sure that you say, and Peter. And I can imagine the angel concentrate. I don't know if angels have to concentrate, but I can imagine the angel concentrating and thinking, I must get this message right because it's so important, and I must remember to say, and Peter. And he says, go and tell the disciples, and Peter. And then the angel thinks, ah, oh, said it. That's the love of Jesus for Peter, isn't it? And Peter. Make sure you say, and Peter. And that is the love of Jesus for all of us. You can put your name in there. And Sarah. And Philip. And Margaret. And Anne. Put your name in. This is the love of Jesus for failures. This is the love of Jesus for sinners. This is the love of Jesus for us. It's the love of Jesus for you. It's Jesus saying, whatever you've done, however you've blown it, however you've let me down, forgiveness is there because I took the curse onto myself on the cross. So that you can be forgiven. So I want to say to you, if you're not yet a Christian, if you've not yet turned from your sin and put your trust in Jesus, this will just be a great opportunity to do it. Because you have blown it, you are a failure, we're all failures. 
This is your opportunity to pray and to say to Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Please come into my life and forgive me. And if you are a Christian and you're very conscious of failure, you're conscious that you've blown it, you know that you're weak, then this is an opportunity to come back to Jesus this morning, isn't it? And to say, Jesus, thank you that you told the angel to say, and Peter. Jesus is saying your name now. Well, come to him. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to restore you. Ask him to help you to live your life with him and for him again. And if you do that, then it really is going to be a happy Easter. Let's pray. Let's just have a brief silence. Maybe there's one particular thing that the Lord has said to you this morning. Maybe it's about self-confidence or about tiredness or about fear. Maybe it's about the love of Jesus to you. Let's just pray in the silence, in the quietness of our own hearts and then I'll lead us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that the Bible is so honest. And as we read of Peter's failure, we're very conscious of ours. Please help us to watch and pray so that we don't fall into temptation. Please help us to remember that the devil is like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. Help us to be self-controlled and alert. And Lord Jesus, thank you for reminding us this morning of your great love. Your love to Peter, when the angel said, and Peter. And your love to us too. Help us to respond to that love, please. And to live in, a, in the joy of a friendship with you. And Father, we pray again for the Passion this coming Friday evening. And we want to pray that there'll be many, many people. Hundreds and thousands of people. Who will experience your love. Who will understand your love at the cross. And who will respond and will start to follow you. And we ask it, Lord Jesus, in your great and strong name. Amen.